feel Sunny like I just Cher. I feel like I just heard this song. You may have. You're probably going to hear it a lot more as the day goes on because it is indeed Groundhog Day. And before we get into anything here, you revealed something earlier this morning. Oh my. That uh, I found surprising. What is you, that? You've not seen the film. <laughs> I've Groundhog not day. seen it start to finish. I've never once watched the entire movie Groundhog Day. I, I'm ashamed. Put me in the penalty oh, no, box. No. And There's no shame. Uh, but that, so you, that implies that you, when you say you haven't seen it from start to finish, that means you've seen bits and pieces I've of it? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I, I don't know, maybe I fell asleep watching it, uh, got distracted by the popcorn or, or other associated activities while watching it. Yeah, I, but I've never seen it start to finish. Well, it, it is. I could see falling asleep during Groundhog Day, and I don't mean this in, in a negative way. I, I love the movie. I adore it. But there there are some stretches where it gets uh, kind of repetitive, and it's it tends to drone on. That's part of the point, but as a viewer, it, it can kind of, you might think, well, okay, can we get on with this? However, uh, brilliant film. You really should watch it. Probably, I think it's Bill Murray's best work myself, but... Well, based on the fact, A, that you interacted with Bill Murray once upon a time. <laughs> and right and, on you in 1995. <laughs> and secondly, the fact that Jeff Braun, the other couch potato, has this movie ranked on his best comedies of all time list right behind one of my favorite comedy movies of all time, Spinal Tap. I will pledge to watch it this weekend. It's uh, it's an excellent film. And for those who missed our segment yesterday with Winnipeg Wynn from the Prairie Wildlife Rehab Center, Sheila Smith came in and brought this little woodchuck slash groundhog with her. Adorable little thing as she sat there and ate, ate strawberries with her cute little woodchuck hands. And uh, the way that it works is at 9.30 when they do their ceremony, I guess they will check in, look, have a look in her den, and if... Wynn is fussing around and trying to keep her, her space clean and is kind of antsy. That's an indication that spring is going to come early. But if she's just kind of sitting there, chill, just leave me alone, or not even that, just doesn't care that you're in her space, that means she's she's happy to be lazy for the next little while, which means more winter. I was totally blown away, A, at how cute and adorable this creature was. Uh, maybe the most adorable woodland creature we've ever had in studio. That might include the Arctic fox, which Ooh, was beautiful. Yeah. But the wood, like Win, is so cute. Well, from from a cute factor, yes, the uh, the woodchuck was was quite adorable. The Arctic fox was more of a. I'd never seen anything like the Arctic fox. I was expecting something a lot bigger too. I don't know why. I didn't realize how small foxes are. Um, but yeah, you're right. The woodchuck was just adorable in that cute little. Uh, popple style bag that she was sleep sitting sack. in. Yeah. yeah, very cute. Eating uh, the strawberry. So nine thirty, we'll have an indication. But as someone said on Twitter, and I'm sanitizing the language here, uh, it's going down to minus thirty overnight. Tomorrow is Groundhog Day. You do the math. Was the conveyance? <laughs> the, you know, being that we're going to get. Yeah. Lots more winter. Yeah. We don't need any uh, woodland creatures telling us how much longer win winter's going to be. It's going to be a while yet. Well, just uh, one quick note. Looking at the long-term forecast on my weather app here on my phone, I'm seeing minus 3 on February 12th, minus 5, minus 3, minus 2, minus 3, right around with, <laughs> of course, right around the Festival du Voyage. Sure. Sure. So all the snow sculptures melt.
It is the HSC Foundation Hope to Life Radiothon. It's presented by our friends at Merrick Homes. And a heads up, Wawanisa Insurance and the Johnston Group are matching all donations today up to $20,000. So you can really double your donation by calling 204-515-5612 or go online. It's really a, really a very simple way to donate. Hopetolife.ca throughout the day. We will be sharing with you inspirational stories from patients, from doctors, from researchers about how HSC is taking your money and creating better care and conducting outstanding life-saving research, Brett. And in studio with us right now to tell one of those stories, we have a plastic surgeon at HSC Winnipeg, Dr. Leif Sigurdsson, and we have a plastic surgery patient, Donna Burt, dislocated finger, was the, the culprit for Donna. So, Donna, why don't you? we start with you, and why don't we find out how did you end up at HSC? What were the circumstances with this dislocated finger? I was with my grandchildren, and we were coming out of a door, and I fell. And I, when I fell, I heard a snap, and I knew that the finger was broken. There was no doubt in my mind it was broken. So, of course, I, I took the kids to McDonald's, as you would, you know, you got your grandkids. And then I went to my, dropped the kids off, and my daughter said, you were going to the doctor with this, a hospital. So I spent a, a, an amount of time at the uh the emergency and you know Friday night an emergency with a broken finger you're not exactly the high priority so you know I got there and the doctor took an x-ray they were very good actually they took an x-ray early the doctor looked at it and he said not only did I dislocate it but I fractured it and it was a bad fracture and he felt that it was necessary for me to go to the health sciences center to the plastic surgery unit to have this dealt with so Continue, Donna. I couldn't imagine why I was going to plastic surgery at first. And with a broken finger, everybody thinks you just, you know, snip, snap, and it back in place. But that's not the case. So I ended up at HSC. Now, you had some extraneous uh, circumstances going on at home as well. You were dealing with, you weren't uh, really the primary patient, right? You were a caregiver as well at home. Well, when the break happened, the first thing was... uh, went to my mind was, oh, my gosh, why? how could this happen to me? I have a husband at home that's in a, in a wheelchair, and um, he has lots of needs. It's not just mobility issues. He has other health issues. And my first thought was, who's going to look after him? Yeah, I knew course. it was broken. And, you know, oh, plastic surgery, is that going to mean I'm going to have to wait and on and on? Because and, that's what happens, you know. Some plastic surgery, you always sort of have to wait because it's very specialized. So I was extremely worried about how long it was going to take to get this done and seen to. And um, they said to me when I got there, they said, you know, you have some circumstances that are uh, um, different. And I explained to them, I, I can't stay here for days. I can't. And I, I don't act well with, with uh, anesthetic either. And I'm a diabetic. And, you know, so <laughs> the next thing I know, I have... They tell me that Dr. Sergison's office is going to phone me and just stop worrying that, you know, they could work something out for me. So, Dr. Sigerson, what was it that you and your team worked out to take care of Donna? Well, we're experimenting a bit with a sort of a new model of uh, care for plastic surgery hand patients where we actually 
you know, uh, do their surgery under a local anesthetic instead of taking them up to the main operating room and putting them to sleep. And uh, what we're aiming to do is uh, we have an empty ward uh, at the rehab hospital and we want to kind of build an enhanced procedure room there. We have over 900 patients a year that we actually have to take to the operating room and put to sleep and they often wait for days to have their surgery done. And what we're aiming to do is to take those patients to this new procedure area and operate on them under a local anesthetic. So uh, basically we'd operate on these patients the same day that we see them and we have huge benefit to uh, people like Donna. So Donna was one of our kind of first patients that we were trying this kind of new model of care and there's there really is some merit to it because you know the cost of putting somebody to sleep uh, in the main operating room compared to just putting some freezing in and doing procedure under local anesthetic, they're dramatically less. So I mean, we have a situation where we can provide better care for dramatically less cost. And in this current climate of healthcare restraint, you know, these are things that we need to think about doing. Well, we often discuss the idea of a win-win situation. It's more economical for the healthcare system to do it this fashion. And Donna, in terms of time, I mean, there's two types of currency, time and money. And time is very valuable, especially it pertains to you because you have lots of responsibilities. So, what you know, uh, I, we know what it meant to you, but maybe give us an idea through your experience what it would mean for this to be a permanent solution for other people that might have a procedure similar to yours? Well, as far as it is from, and I'm going to very quickly speak from my perspective, I went into the opera, went into the room to see the doctor, and within half an hour, 45 minutes, I was out of there. Um, and, and that, to me, is um, a test to how much this is needed. How I would have had to spend days going back and forth waiting whether I was going to get in that day or not. And people don't, in this climate, people don't have that kind of time or they don't want to spend that kind of time. And and doctors are don't have that kind of time. So it's quick. It's easy. I was in. I was out. It was frozen. It was casted. I was gone. Imagine. Well, and another thing too. I mean, because your your needs were that was a non cosmetic plastic surgery. So mm-hmm. someone who typically needs that kind of surgery would probably, I would imagine, would get bumped a lot of times, right? Oh, you you were you're scheduled, and then no, someone who has an emergency needs your spot. Well, not just emergencies, but other breaks and other things. It was it was a, a, a really good for somebody who has something that's relatively easy to deal with. And it can be dealt with rather than having to wait the long periods of time you have to sometimes have to wait in order to get the kind of care. Well, this is a good news story for sure. You can make it possible to create this ward, to create a situation where more people, maybe you, you know, it's like an insurance policy. You might pay a little bit ahead, but you might think about how this might affect you or someone you love by supporting this initiative to create this new HSC plastic surgery clinic. And you can do so by donating to the Radiothon today, the Hope to Life Radiothon. HopeToLife.ca is the website. If you'd like to donate, if Donna's story has inspired you, Dr. Sigurdsson's work inspires you, 204-515-5612. And the website, HopeToLife.ca. Once again, our guests have been Dr. Leif Sigurdsson, who is a plastic surgeon at HSC Winnipeg, and Donna Burt, who is one of Dr. Sigurdsson's plastic surgery patients. Thank you so much, the two of you, for coming in to tell your story this morning. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. 
We're going to have coffee right now and talk about our own positive health care experiences. And we've got Tristan Field-Jones here in for Shanley Vidal, behind the glass Jerry, Jeff Braun, and on the line we have Kathy Kennedy. And KK, why don't we start with you, because I know that uh, you uh, have had some recent experience with the healthcare system. So why don't you tell us uh, what you've gone through? Kathy? Oh, I guess we don't have Kathy. We'll put her on hold and uh, we'll try that again. In the meantime... Uh, Hello. Oh! Hello. Hi, there we go. You, you thought you could get rid of me. I. You know what? <laughs> my best efforts of sabotage were, were foiled. Um, hey, listen, guys. I've had a lot of experience in the last nine months with the healthcare system. Uh, my father has suffered three falls in nine months, and the third one, uh, a pretty severe one, landing him at Victoria Hospital for two days and Concordia for six. I cannot rave enough about the doctors, the nurses, the care at both of those facilities. And and further to that, not only did they give my father care, they cared for me. And I get emotional just thinking about it because, you know, as the primary caregiver uh, for my father, um, as I think you would understand, um, pretty concerned, pretty freaked out by what has been happening. But, you know, they they took the time to make sure that I was cared for and I was understanding what was happening. And uh, I just um, I applaud all of those frontline healthcare workers. They do incredible work. I think a common refrain in our society and in, in Manitoba in particular, in particular, Tristan, is this idea that once we get into the system and once the process gets rolling, there may be no better health care anywhere. In fact, I had that relayed to someone who had paid for health care, cancer care at Mayo Clinic. And there's a great relationship between St. B and the Mayo Clinic. And they conveyed to these people that, you know what, it was great to see you down here. But just so you know, like cancer care, Manitoba, and the work done up in Winnipeg is as good as anywhere in the world. But sometimes it's just getting past the triage doors or getting in the system. That in mind, uh, you have a very similar story in terms of just getting into the system and the care you Yeah, got. very much so. And, and I think the issue is more so for, you know, non-emergency surgeries and that sort of stuff. I mean, if you have something that's really critical, they'll see you right away, no problem. But um, I had in my left eye, and I won't even try to tell you what the actual terminology is, but basically lazy eye, <laughs> uh, because the actual terminology is good luck. And so what happens is uh, when I went to go see the ophthalmologist, and this was way back in 2010, he said, well, we're going to have to look at that. They figured it had nothing to do with my brain. It was more muscles and it needed right. some surgery. Right. And so, yeah, the wait was a while, but the care itself, it was, I got a call one day and they're like, yeah, your appointment's in two days. So I went to the boss at the time and said, yeah, I'm not going to be here for part of this day because I've been waiting forever for this. But then they did all of the, all the tests and everything was really, really well done. And then I got the eye surgery done at um, uh, Misericordia and uh, it was like the, the whole process was seamless. Uh, and I would like to a huge shout out to the nurses. I don't think they get enough credit for the work they do. And it's, it's some people at first glance might think of this as ridiculous, but it can be a hazardous job at times because you never know what how people might react to sure. all sorts of medical procedures. And I know that uh, you know I was I was put to sleep, and the effects of those drugs took hours to wear off on me. So if I said something embarrassing to the nurses or not exactly appropriate, I apologize uh, as a result of that. <laughs> 
We um, should get some of those drugs to slip them every now and then. No, we really shouldn't, Jeff. <laughs> I value I value my career and uh, all sorts of things, but anyway, um, but but no, the the experience itself is once you get into the system, it's fantastic, top to bottom, and just the care, everything from the surgeons to the doctors to the nurses, just it was it was all fantastic. Well, first of all, TFJ, if I wouldn't worry about what you may have said when you came off those drugs, because anybody who comes off of those drugs, who comes out of uh, general anesthesia, goes through that same kind of thing. So I wouldn't, you're, you know, you're, you're not alone in that. I know that when I got my wisdom teeth yanked, I was talking all sorts of nonsense. Uh, I don't remember any of it, but my parents had a great laugh at my expense. So don't worry about it. How is this different from uh, every other day, by the way? Oh, well, that's a fair point. Fair point, Tristan. But uh, you, you talk about the nurses as well, and I think that's one of the things... Uh, when my dad had to go in a couple of years ago for uh, he he had uh, he was dehydrated actually, and uh, he had to go into the the hospital. That's what I found most striking was how friendly all of the staff were, how you know gentle they were, and mm-hmm. it, it's got to be hard because they're working long hours. The job itself, just the tasks that they are in charge of, are exhausting. But then to have to put on a happy face, or not even a happy face, but a friendly face. That takes that takes energy. You know, Absolutely, you're, you're having it's like customer service. You're having to perform and put on. I don't want to say put on a show, but you you can't. Something they can walk over and say, "Hey, get out of the way." <laughs> I mean, I guess they could if they you know if, if they're doing some kind of an emergency. Yeah. It's an underrated part of the gig. Yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. So Jeff Braun, I know that uh, you I, know, huh? I know that you haven't really had any no, health problems. I have been fortunate enough not to really need a lot of medical attention in my life. I will say though that uh, my girlfriend works at HSC. I have occasion to go down there and have lunch with her every now and then, and the uh, cafeteria grilled cheese and fries are fantastic. <laughs> there it is. Literally the best grilled cheese I've ever had. Top to bottom for the healthcare system from the grilled cheese to the cafeteria. KK, <laughs> yeah. I, I know, I know. Uh, oh my! I know what you've been dealing with, and and it's difficult to, and inspiring all at once to to be that advocate for someone that you care about. Jerry, uh, what's your take on this? You know, I I've never had to use the hospitals here. Uh, knock on wood. Uh, but uh, hearing all the stories that that we that we hear every day in uh, the newsroom here, I know that everything will be okay if, for some reason, I need to visit one of the hospitals here in Winnipeg. I have no worries whatsoever. With Super Bowl around the corner, the anticipation is mounting as Canadians prepare for one of the biggest sports events of the year. Of course, we're talking about the Super Bowl, and with the Super Bowl comes the ads. Many people tune into the big game and don't know anything about football. They want to see the spectacle that is the ad that comes with the Super Bowl. So to join us and tell us more about this, we have Nicole Bell, who is a Google and YouTube trends expert, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Nicole, where are you joining us from, by the way? I am joining you from Toronto this morning. Well, welcome. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today. So I guess uh, as we head into the weekend, my first question is because you used to have to wait until the game to see the ads, but that's not necessarily the case anymore, is it? 
it really isn't. You know, it's it's one of these amazing things. Uh, with the advent of YouTube, uh, brands and marketers have changed how they approach the Super Bowl. You know, those Super Bowl commercials, the 30 seconds of airtime you get during the game is some of the most expensive television advertising of the year. And so what brands are doing now is they're saying, how do we make more of this moment? And actually up to 80% of them are releasing either teaser trailers or the full ad on YouTube before uh, the Super Bowl. How did this come to be, Nicole, this whole idea of of really the the game becoming one B for a lot of people who tune into the game on television? For many, many people, it is about the advertisements. It is about the halftime show. The secondary entertainment around the football game has become very, very popular. It really has. You know, the Super Bowl is this massive pop culture moment that, you know, it's it's sports, it's entertainment, it's all this stuff wrapped into one. And really, you know, if you look back kind of the history of the Super Bowl, uh, it is the, you know, has traditionally been the biggest one-time live, uh, one-day live television audience of any moment in the year. And so, you know, for brands, that's an irresistible moment that they want to be able to tap into. And then over time, these Super Bowl ads became more and more elaborate. You started seeing celebrities making appearances, uh, you know, with the advent of CGI and special effects. Uh, these became, you know, super uh, like miniature films that they were being that they were creating, uh, and it's really kind of a moment for the advertising industry to show off their creativity in front of this massive um, audience. And then they're able to say, "Hang on a second, we spent all this money on this incredible commercial. How do we make it live for beyond those 30 seconds in the game?" And that's where they're turning to YouTube, where you know some of these ads rank up hundreds of millions of views in not just the weeks after the Super Bowl, but for years afterwards. And obviously, the social media, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, has has changed how how those uh, ads are spread because they're not just seen one time or twice as they were previously. But this whole idea. Of 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 trending and tweeting about the commercials and about the game allows them to live, but it also allows you to remember who produced the ad in the first place. We were discussing this yesterday. How often do you re- see one of these spectacular commercials and you go, "What were they advertising?" Well, now there's an opportunity for you to see it more than once. Exactly. And, you know, we see this real phenomenon on Monday morning, the day after the game, when people rush, you know, they get into the office and they head to their computers and everyone, there's a spike of searches, people looking for what were the best ads of the game. There's tons of, um, you know, tons of publications that do kind of wrap ups of these were our favorite ads. YouTube has a um, has a voting system where people can go in and vote for their favorite ads from the game. Um, and it generates this kind of huge moment, you know, looking at some of the ads from last year, one of the ones that was most popular was one for Kia cars that featured uh, Melissa McCarthy in these kind of series of hilarious, um, terrible things that happened to her when she's trying to, uh, to, to do good, um, doing some charitable works. Uh, and that ad continued to be Canada's favorite ad for the entire year. People went back uh, hundreds of thousands of times over the course of the last year to rewatch that ad, uh, which is kind of incredible when you think about, you know, it's a car commercial, but uh, it was so funny and it really appealed to Canadians and they went back and watched it over and over. So as we head into Super Bowl weekend, what are some of the top trending ads as we look forward to so, Sunday? 
So there are two that are my absolute favorites that I am going to be keeping an eye out for the game, uh, for during the game. The first one is for Groupon. Um, and, you know, your listeners might remember uh, Tiffany Haddish, who was the breakout star from the big film Girls' Night last year. And she had this amazing story of telling uh, that she took Will and Jada Smith on a Groupon swap tour in New Orleans. And so Groupon named her as their official spokesperson. And they have released kind of a series of teaser trailers for their Super Bowl ad in the lead up to the game on YouTube, uh, where she's kind of answering questions as only a comedian can about, you know, is it is it cool to use a Groupon on a date? Will people think I'm cheap? Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what this turns into for the Super Bowl. And the second one uh, that I think is uh, absolutely hilarious is uh, your listeners may have seen this really weird trailer pop up for what seems like a new version of Crocodile Dundee, a sequel to Crocodile Dundee. Uh, and, you know, they released this as a, they, they set up a channel on YouTube that looks like it's there to promote a movie. Uh, they started releasing all these trailers and it starts, you start to realize that it stars every single amazing actor from Australia, Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman, all these huge names. Uh, and it's actually a teaser trailer for Tourism Australia. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do at the Super Bowl because I'm hoping that we get a little a mini movie of Crocodile Dundee. And Nicole, we have about uh, 40 seconds here. This whole idea of this being a coming out party or legitimizing a business keeps running around in my head. I, I was taken aback when you mentioned Groupon. I'm like, Groupon, that's still around? I didn't know that was still a thing. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, does putting your name in the Super Bowl broadcast, does it legitimize you as a business? Is, is that part of the intention here? That absolutely can be one of the ways that, that marketers think about this kind of big spotlight and a chance for them to break out. Uh, one of the big ones from last year was a company called 84 Lumber, which is uh, primarily, a, you know, it's American building manufacturing supplies or lumber supplies. Uh, they did this very political ad that showed a ma- that showed kind of the wall that Donald Trump was proposing building between Mexico and the United States, and they showed a carpenter building a door in the wall. And uh, you know, we saw on Google search spikes spikes in searches for people going to say what is 84 Lumber because they'd never heard of the brand before. So they kind of capitalized on a really political conversation that was happening and got their name out there in a way that uh, would have been very difficult for them to do at any other moment of the year. Nicole Bell, Google and YouTube trends expert, talking about the Super Bowl ads on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about this. I'm going to watch out. I didn't know about this Groupon thing with Tiffany Haddish. She is hilarious, so I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Thanks for the tip. My pleasure. Getting pretty good, pretty good at this, Jerry. Just a little bit more practice. Good, good. Well, kind of ran out of breath there, eh, Jerry? Sounds confident, though. You, you know what? And sometimes you just got to fake it till you make it. That's right. That's right. Coach Potatoes in the house. Brett McGarry, as per usual, from 6 to 10 to my right. Jeff Braun, every once in a while, to my left. Fellas, what's going on in the movies this weekend? Well, there's a scary one. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's excited by this. It's called Winchester. gargantuan seven-storied structure with no apparent rhyme or reason. Each maze of halls more confusing than the next. 
It's under never-ending construction. It is built on the orders of a grieving widow. So, Jeff, Ron, looking at the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes on Winchester, 5%. Are you serious? It was 0% this morning, so it's on the way up. <laughs> it's trending up. And it stars Helen Mirren. Yeah, and Jason Clark. <laughs> and it's got to be it's got to be her worst reviewed movie ever. Probably. And uh, this movie <laughs> is based on true events. It's set in on a lo- lonely chunk of land outside of San Francisco at what is called the most haunted house in the world, now known as the Winchester Mystery House. It was built by the woman played by Mirren, Sarah Winchester of the Winchester Rifle Company. Essentially, she builds this crazy house with like hallways that go nowhere and doorways that go nowhere, and it's just randomly stacked. They just kept building and building for decades as a, a prison for vengeful ghosts uh, because they all have a score to settle with the Winchesters, presumably people who were killed by arms made by the Winchester yes, family. it's got to be it. So, What are they ever going to do with that house in real life? I, it's a tourist uh, location <laughs> now. It was partially shot at the house. but uh, So it just looks wild. Just Google Winchester Mystery House. It's pretty crazy. It has 4.2 stars in uh, Google reviews, so that there's that. The, uh, the Four, house itself? The house itself, <laughs> 4.2 out of 5. So that's pretty good. That's like over 80%. Well, just looking so, at the trailer, the, the, see, seeing the house looks really cool, but the movie, when I saw the CG stuff, I thought, oh boy. So the set of the movie has a better rating than the the movie. Correct. Right. It's in yeah. San Jose, by the way. So there's, there's that. I know Jeff hates the scary movies, so yep. good for you for even coming in here, Jeff, to talk about it this morning. Spooky. Maybe instead you want to try this this weekend. Doc, she didn't even look at it. This is more serious than I thought. Apparently your mother is amorously infatuated with you instead of your father. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Doc, are you trying to tell me that my mother has got the hots for me? Precisely. Whoa, this is heavy. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? This is an exciting event, Jeff. We've talked about this uh, for many years now, formerly known as the Great Digital Film Fest, now the Flashback Film Fest at Cineplex. Many of your old favorites coming back to the big screen, courtesy of Cineplex. Back to the Future, safe to say, this is one of the Couch Potatoes' favorite films. Absolutely. That's got to be a top 10 all time. For the last month or so, regardless of this flashback film fest, in the back of my head, it's like, I need to watch that whole trilogy again. I just need to just take a day and watch Back to the Future movies. Yeah, I think it's top five for me. It might be my number three film of all time. I just adore it. Calvin Klein is my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the films that is going to be there. And Well, curious to know where this movie actually stacks up on Jeff Braun's favorite comedy list. Hey, hey this is a private residence, man. Oh, nice Mormon. <laughs> yeah, baby. Big Lebowski. It's on there. It's in that top 10 list. I can't remember what number. Okay. That's in its 20th anniversary this year, by oh, the way. So good. So the lineup for the festival also includes War Games, The Terminator, Terminator 2, and this. Ask me the questions, Bridgekeeper. I'm not afraid. What is your name? Sir Robin of Camelot. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What? 
is the capital of Assyria. I don't know that. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So all these movies, Gremlins, Drunken Master, Dune, A View to Kill, Raising Arizona, The Iron Giant, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg's Cornetto Trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End, all playing at uh, the Flashback Film Festival on at Cineplex uh, McGilvery until this upcoming Thursday, February 8th. So if you don't want to see the new movie, or if you don't want to see the Oscar movies, you can go back and revisit one of your favorites. Or see a really bad movie on purpose. Yeah. Right? Winchester. Yeah. Apparently it's terrible. And maybe not even scary. I think if I was in the construction industry, I'd be interested in that movie, though. But that'd be about it. <laughs> yeah. hey, if you were planning to go see Winchester and now you're not going, send your $20 that you saved. Send it to the HSC uh, Hope to Life uh, Radiothon. And then Manitoba Pork, who is sponsoring this hour, will match that donation. Uh, they are matching all donations today up to $2,500. Jacob sent us a tw- uh, text about the groundhogs. And he says, uh, Greg, guys, uh, there is no collusion between groundhogs. Um, (laughs) That Nunez memo that's coming out today, I believe that's what it's about. It's about the collusion between the groundhogs. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on it, but it may shed some light on whether or not there is collusion between the groundhogs or not. Traffic note, there's a crash on northbound Route 90 at Lismore Avenue blocking both lanes. Couch Potatoes, by the way, with me and Jeff Braun. New time on the weekends. We're now on Saturdays at 12 instead of 1 o'clock. We've now bumped up to noon and then 6 p.m. Back to 6 p.m. on Sundays, one of our old time slots. Your time slot has never changed before. What's happening? Yeah, I know. We we thought we'd try something new. You can also get us on the podcasting if you can't keep up with the ever-changing clock for us. That's right. You can find us on Google Play and on iTunes. Jeff's going to review three billboards from... Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> you think I know the title for that by now. Jeff's slowly climbing his way up the ladder to watch all nine Best Picture nominees, so he'll give you the details on that. Brett, the Ice Huts made their debut on the rivers in the last week or so. They are a welcome sight. Mm-hmm. Ice ruts are starting to make themselves at home on many of our residential streets. Not such a welcome Sight at all. Yeah, we got a picture yesterday. Somebody texted us at 204-780-6868 asking the question, when is the city going to clean the side street? These ruts are making people spin out. This happened sometime last night, and it's a picture of someone whose front end is completely smashed up. Uh, I believe this this happened on Parkview Street, which, Greg, you said was in St. James? St. James, yeah, in the Jimmy. And it says that that street had not been done this year at all, just not safe anymore. So we thought we'd reach out to the city and ask. So we're going to speak with Cheryl Anderson. She is Winnipeg's acting manager of street maintenance. She joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Cheryl, thanks for joining us, and good morning to you. Good morning to you. Uh, Cheryl, I think most of us can agree the city's done a, a, a fairly good job, if not an excellent job, of keeping the main thoroughfares clear of snow, snow routes, and uh, sidewalks. We're not having any conversation or issues like we did last year. But in my mind, my memory bank uh, is sometimes uh, deficient in funds. I'm in overdraft uh, sometimes uh, on that front. Has there been a residential plow of the city of Winnipeg this winter? No, there hasn't been a residential plow this winter. Uh, we monitor the streets con- continually, and usually the plowing on the residential streets um, follows a 10-centimeter snowfall or when inspection warrants. And uh, like I said, we are out inspecting the streets. Now, now Cheryl, I know we haven't had a, a tremendous amount of accumulation of snow, but I would suspect we've had a 
10 centimeter uh, accumulative factor in terms of snow this winter? Yes, we have. Um, we've had a lot of melt days also where days have been above zero. So there, and the good majority of the snow actually fell in the first part of the season in the November, October, November that we got our majority of snow. So a lot of that melted and compacted on, on the, the system. We continue to monitor though. And uh, as you know, last week we had, a, or this past few, this past week we had a minor snowfall, but very high winds. So our crews have been very busy out dealing with drifted areas and cleaning those up. Now, if somebody calls 311 to report that there are bad ruts on their street, might you send somebody out to scrape that particular street? Yeah, I recommend that if there are there are problem areas, call 311, and that initiates an inspection assessment and will be determined, determined whether that requires some spot plowing. Cheryl, we appreciate the access this morning, and uh, we will reach out to you if we need to in the future. We uh, We thank you very much. No problem. And I'd just like to caution motorists to drive for winter conditions. It, it can be um, just to stay back and stay safe. All right, Cheryl. Thank you very much once again. Cheryl Anderson is Winnipeg's Acting Manager of Streets Maintenance. And we want to switch gears now, and uh, we have about three minutes left before the top of the hour. Uh, and this is something we that has to do with that savage beating that happened on uh Portage Avenue inside the bus shack in front of Portage Place in broad daylight at 10.30 in the morning a couple of weeks ago. And our friend Tim Comac joins us now, and Tim's uh, with Ventura Builders. And uh, Tim, uh, this story has affected a lot of people, their perceptions of downtown, which cascades into perceptions of our entire community. You've decided uh, to step up with a group of other business leaders and community leaders to do something about this. First of all, good morning, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Tim, what is it that you've decided to do? We've set up a GoFundMe page. Um, Ventura Student is what you can search on GoFundMe. The, the, organize, the campaign's called Ventura Student Fundraiser. And what we're doing is we're going to raise some money for this young man. He's an international student. He is here alone. Uh, he's got very few friends. He's got no family here. He's been here a very short, short amount of time. So we're going to raise some money to help him out. He's not from an affluent international family, so he needs every bit of help he can get. He was downtown at Service Canada trying to set himself up so that he can make the next few years in Winnipeg work, literally. And uh, he's out for a bit. He's pretty badly beaten up, and you know, I imagine he's a little bit scared too. And so we want to make him feel a little bit more welcome in, in Winnipeg and help him out with some money and, and make his life a little bit easier for the next little while while he heals up. And then we're going to use a little bit of that money as well. I connected with a, a young man, Drove Patel, who's the president of the Indian Students Association, in my effort to kind of track this young man down. And Drove is like actively involved at the University of Manitoba, trying to help students, international students, et cetera. And so some of this money, we're going to set up Drove and the Indian Students Association to have some you know, backup funds. When stuff like this happens or when international students or, or local students need some help, He'll have a you know a war chest per se to reach into and and uh, you know step up to the to the plate and help out. He's he's an amazing young man and uh, you know really all of this is because of him. He's worked with a student to you know help him feel um, like this was an isolated incident. And I think Winnipeg you know needs to show this guy that we care. And I think we all have to remember this is an isolated incident. 
I think it's a great point that you make on two fronts, that we do care. And I think for the most part, people would agree that this is an isolated incident. We can have all the conversations we want about perceptions of safety. But this uh, was very, uh, very much an unusual, unprovoked attack uh, on an innocent victim here. So, Tim, thank you for doing this. Uh, Before we let you go here, one more time, what is the GoFundMe page? Ventura Student Fundraiser. If you search that, you'll see a very colorful Indian Students Association of University of Manitoba logo, and you'll know right away that that's that's the page. And and you know, we started this last night uh, after I left the office. I put this all together, and and it's coming together quickly. Very grateful. We've already raised about fifteen hundred dollars. Wow, Tim Komak, uh, Vice President of Ventura Land Company Inc. and Ventura Developments. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on six eighty CJOB. Exciting news, Manitoba Merv not seeing his shadow at Okamak Marsh. That means early spring, at least one prediction. Okay, hold on now. I don't want to throw cold water on any of this, <laughs> but isn't Manitoba Merv a puppet? I think you might be right. Okay, now, there's two ways to look at this. It may lend more credibility to his prediction. Because that means there are humans influencing his decision whether or not to see his shadow or not, based on maybe some sort of knowledge of weather weather patterns, etc. So, you know, I may be admonishing the idea of getting excited about Manitoba Merv's prediction, but I'm also perhaps on the side of endorsing it, not because I like what he said, but because there's a little bit of science behind it. Well, and Manitoba Merv is known to be a very accurate furry forecaster. Uh, So there's that. There's some history. But as well, in case you missed it earlier, we met Winnipeg Wynn yesterday from the Prairie Wildlife Rehab Center. Very adorable little groundhog slash woodchuck. And the way that they determine what Wynn's prediction is, is they observe her behavior in her den at 9.30 this morning. And if she's fussing about and you can tell that she's antsy and her den's not clean, that means she's ready to get at her. She's tired of winter. She wants to wake up and go to work. Uh, but so that means early spring. But if she's just kind of chill and doesn't care that you're trying to harass her, that means she's not ready to sort of come out of hiding. Well, yet. based on her activity yesterday, uh, there may be a chance that uh, she's ready to get at her. She wanted to, to get speak. her done. She, she kept, did. Get... She kept poking the microphone exactly. with her little nose. Exactly. Hey, uh, today is. The HSC Foundation Hope to Life Radiothon presented by Merrick Holmes. We're two hours in, and this hour is sponsored by Amgen, Canada Biotechnology. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Amgen, Canada Biotechnology. Son son of a gun. Ah! I tried my best. We got we we covered all grounds now. Fantastic! Hey, if you'd like to donate either one time or become a monthly donor, we'd invite you to go online, hope to life.ca, or give us a call two zero four five one five five six one two. And right now, we want to tell another story for this Hope to Life Radiothon, and we welcome to to our studio here at six eighty CJOB. Uh, patient and Champions of Care donor, Christine Jawa. Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, and thanks for having me. So I got to ask you before we ask you anything else on how you got to uh, HSC, Champions of Care, what is that? Um, it's a new program that the foundation has put together that recognizes the, the excellence in, in their uh staff at the at the hospital and I was just made aware of it uh, earlier this or late last year when I was approached by the foundation to see if I 
would like to nominate the team that supported me during my difficult time. So seven years ago, you went through a rather harrowing experience. Nine now. Nine. I'm just going by my stats page here. (laughs) So tell us the story. Um, I had some pain in my bicep area, I guess, and and had gone through an orthopedic doctor and uh, ended up with some physiotherapy. The physiotherapist noticed that there was some changes happening in my neck at the base of my skull, uh, connecting to my spine, uh, and suggested I go back and, and have it checked out because she didn't want to work on me anymore. At that point, I was sent out for a MRI, and my MRI results indicated that I had a tumor growing in my spinal um, column, and, um, and it was crushing as it grew. It was crushing my spinal cord. So um, within two days of the, of the um, identity of the tumor, I was, um, rec- uh, I was uh, sent to the Health Sciences Centre to see Dr. Michael Johnson and his team. And um, they walked me through the whole procedure on, on um, you know, the, what's going to happen, how, what we have to do to take care of it. Basically, the functionality on my right side, I was uh, losing it gradually. And if it would had continued to grow, it would eventually cut everything off. Um, uh, my, in order to put together the team that they needed to pull off the surgery, because it was very close to the bottom of my brain stem, um, in the C3 to the C6 area, uh, they had to pull together quite an extensive team. So it took them three weeks to get it all together, get the operating room time. And um, the, the first assessment was that they were going to take about 18 hours and possibly two different surgeries oh if they word. couldn't get into it. And, um, you know, when you're told, you know, go home, take care of things around home and get your th- things together, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's code, right? It's code. It's show your husband how to pay the bills, make sure he has everything. I mean, it, it was it was, it was was turning our lives inside out. So for those that don't know, the C3, C6, that's your vertebrae in your neck, correct? Mm-hmm. They, they're numbered. But just to paint a picture, I'm imagining vines intertwining with my chain link fence. Is that what the tumor was doing around your spine, or what was it doing? Well, there? it was actually um, just flat against the spinal co- uh, uh, column, but it was bulbing out into and crushing the. Oh my word! And what it as it grew, it crushed a little bit more. It's uh, Doctor Johnson uh, indicated it was more like a kink in the hose. So you know, even though you know we had a successful surgery, um, I'll always have a spinal cord injury. The kink doesn't come out, so it's just you know. That damage is permanent. It is. So but, what are you what are you feeling right now? Um, I have a rod in my neck and it's stiff sometimes, but other than that, I'm bang on. Boy, you look great. <laughs> You're active and uh, you know what? Um, I try and be as active as I can, um, getting out and doing things and, and not putting off things that I might have. Right. Um, we have two granddaughters now, and and this has all been something that's. You know, had this not been taken care of, had I not had the excellent staff and and, and the facility, um, I wouldn't be holding my grandbabies. So for me, that's so very important. It is the HSE Foundation Hope to Life Radiothon. It's presented by Merrick Holmes. This hour sponsored by Amgen Canada Biotechnology. 
Hopetolife.ca is the website. We want to raise $125,000, and we know with your generosity. I mean, Manitoba is so well-known around the world for its generosity. I don't think we'll have any problem reaching that goal, but we want to start that process right now at 204-515-5612. Again, that's 204-515-5612. Christine Jawa, patient and champions of care donor. Thank you so much for telling us your story. Thank you, and I'd just like to do a shout-out to Sherry Burton and Dr. Michael and his team. Um, I'm not here without them, and I so, so appreciate them. Well, Thank we'll you. raise a glass with you on April 6th, the, Every the April anniversary 6th. of your successful surgery. We'll, we'll reach out to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Winnipeg Rowing Club hosting a fitness event. A fitness event on Super Bowl Sunday. Typically, when you think of Super Bowl Sunday fitness, it involves hoisting many cold ones in one hand. Ounces, 12 ounces at a time. And maybe a big handful of nachos mm-hmm. in the other. So combining actual fitness and Super Bowl Sunday, (laughs) pardon me, Janine Stevens is here, president of the Winnipeg Rowing Club, to tell us about this. Janine, hello there. Hi, good morning. Good to talk to you again, Janine. What on earth are you thinking trying to get us mobile on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, you do a little something in the morning and then that just makes space for more food and drink later. Oh, so is this kind of like a preemptive strike sort of thing? Uh, sure. It happens happens all across the country on the same day. So I didn't really pick the day. We just jumped on board with the rest of the races. Okay. So, so Brett's going to paint a picture of, of what he thinks this event looks like and how it's set up. (laughs) And, and then you're going to tell us how it really goes. Brett. Okay. Well, I I remember talking to you about this uh, before. I think this was a couple of years ago. And, and initially in my head, I, I kind of pictured like, you know, those, those stationary indoor pools where you can get in and swim in one spot. Well, I sort yeah. of pictured people being in their their watercraft in a stationary pool inside. I thought, wouldn't that be neat? That's not what you do, though, is it? We, uh, if I, you know, did a major fundraiser, I could get one of those, but <laughs> that's too much. The, uh, we just do it on the rowing machines at any gym with the fan on the front. Um, and But your monitor is hooked up to a projector, and so you get your little boat, and then you can watch it go across the screen against the other people that you're racing in that race with. Uh, so it's a little more exciting than the day-to-day, just hauling on the handle and hoping for the best and racing yourself. So it adds a little bit more competition and a little more fun with the boats on the screen. So there is a little bit of virtual reality, if I may use that terminology, yeah. involved. Yep, exactly. Fantastic. So, Janine, just tell us about the overall benefits of rowing, because I, I know quite a few people who have rowed over the years and been active in the rowing community. Um, without sounding uh, any way uh, controversial, uh, rowers have a very nice physique. Yeah, there you go. So it's a, it's a full-body workout, which is really nice, because you get a little more bang for your buck. Um, in the time that you put into it. So it's uh, a lot of core and leg is the main thing, even though I always used to get asked how strong my arms were. It's less arm, but more leg than core. And uh, so it is a really good body workout. More and more people are getting into it. There's sort of like spin studios of rowing machines popping up, uh, more in the U.S. now, but they're starting to come to Canada as well. So it's sort of, I don't know, the new thing, it seems. Uh, which really excites me because we always have so many programs at the rowing club that we offer in the summer. Um, So it's nice for people to learn how to row on the rowing machine and then be able to bring it 
still water in the summer. Now, Janine, there is a difference between, uh, just so for those who maybe are not familiar with what rowing is exactly, or what the movement is, there is a difference between rowing and paddling. Uh, can you yeah. sort of just uh, give us the difference between the two? Yeah, so in paddling, uh, the main difference is, well, the biggest difference is they go forwards and we go backwards. Um, and the, uh, they're also paddling, they use their legs as stability and for movement for sure, but ours is the full, like sliding seat, um, full leg movement down to full, sort of a full squat position. And then you press the legs and use your core and then finish the stroke with your arms. So we have a lot less arm than a basic stroke. You're just sort of continuing the acceleration through, whereas the paddler is more, use their arms for the acceleration. Well, I always used to say when when sprinting, and, and Brett's looking at me funny, he goes, you used to be a sprinter? Yes, I used to actually <laughs> run fairly fast. Uh, you don't run uh, with your legs. You run on your legs with your arms, and that's sort of similar yeah, to rowing, right? Mm-hmm. Very much, yeah. So House of Cards, um, uh, the main characters used to get on this machine that was a rowing machine. It actually had water in it. It's actually called Water Rower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fascinating machine. Have, have you had any experience with those? I have definitely seen them. I haven't used it for any length of time. The um, I know there are gyms in the city that use it, and it's, you know, I think the, the basic same motion, right? It's just a different force of propell- propelling water instead of air. Yeah, I think it's just trying to mimic that 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 same uh, that same opposite force, right? And so you kind of hear nice the. It's nice to get the sound of the water. I was going to say nothing like whooshing of the water, right? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Now these machines, these rowing machines that we would find in a, a gym, how close do they emulate actual rowing? Uh, they're they're pretty close. One of the differences in the boat. Um, you obviously have the blades and there's a lot more going on with that in terms of skill, being able to get them ready for the water. Um, also the boat on the rowing machine, your body is moving towards the front of the cage. Whereas in the boat, the boat's coming underneath you. So you're doing less work to get to the front. That doesn't make sense. That is way too technical. You're doing less, less work in a boat to get to the front to put your Blades in the water than on the rowing machine. Yeah, the the, the movements on the rowing machine. The movements the more subtle, right, Janine, on the yeah, actual yeah. boat. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, otherwise you'd all end up in the water. Hey, Janine, this is uh, fascinating stuff. How can people get involved? Um, so we have a link on the Winnipeg Rowing Club website under the events tab, or they the probably the easiest thing is just to email manager at winnipegrowingclub.ca. And it's at the Winnipeg Rowing Club at 20 Lindale Drive. This is happening this Sunday at 9 a.m. to around 2 p.m. And I see that uh, the Winnipeg Rowing Club is 137 years old. Yeah, can you believe it? We're the oldest sporting organization in Western Canada. How do you think the Explorers got to Manitoba right in the first there, place? Laverandre well, and those guys. Park, so that's the thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were paddling here. The hey, Galt brothers started it so many years ago. Isn't that something? 137 yeah. years. Janine, it's always great to catch up with you. Good yeah, luck with this event, me. and uh, we won't wait a year to talk to you again. We appreciate the time. Perfect.
Thanks so much. All right. That is Janine Stevens, president of the Winnipeg Rowing Club. Once again, the Winnipeg Indoor Rowing Championship this Sunday, February 4th, 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. And again, they, they it will be a race. You will be competing against people. You'll be able to see how you're doing stacked up against other competitors, not just here, but across the country. We always have television on in our studio watching uh, Global News Morning. And uh, there's a band performing right now. They're a duo. And the young man playing the keyboard actually has a tattoo of Manitoba on his forearm. Yeah. And they're performing in Toronto. A group called Aviva. That's right. I'm just trying to, to find more about them on uh, somewhere online. Uh, so in the meantime, while we look for that... We might have to track them down and have them on the show at some point. Yeah, I think that's at least what it, what it said, uh, Viva. So we'll see if we can figure that out. But there is a connection between his Manitoba tattoo and what we're doing right now. We try so hard on the segues here. The second annual Made in Manitoba Expo starts Saturday, where you can see and taste the best our province has to offer. Brett McGarry. And uh, I'm afraid I'm completely lost in my script. Cindy McDonald is Executive Director of the Portage Chamber of Commerce. Tracy Wood, General Manager of the Portage Industrial Exhibition Association, is here to tell us about the Made in Manitoba Expo. So, Cindy, we'll start with you, and good morning to you. Good morning. I love that tattoo in Manitoba. That's fantastic. Yeah, kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. That is super cool. Yeah, I love it. So I stumbled upon uh, the Made in Manitoba Expo on, uh, I think it was on Instagram somewhere, and I thought, hey, that sounds neat. So tell us about this expo that's happening uh, tomorrow. All right. Well, the expo um, is is a brainchild of Tracy and I, and we just wanted to... Um, come up with something that we could showcase to the public uh, how many amazing products that you can buy right here in Manitoba that are made and produced here. So tomorrow we're featuring um, all kinds of products that um, are made here. It's from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, at the MNP Exhibition Building on the island in Portage Prairie. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be a fantastic event. We have all kinds of food products that are made right here in Manitoba, uh, we have furniture that's made in Manitoba, uh, soaps and bath items and just uh, a whole range of things. And it, it's just a fantastic event to, like I said, showcase to um, the public that you don't have to buy outside of Manitoba. We have amazing things that are made right here. And you know what? And I know they say it's worth the trip to Steinbach, the automobile city, but it's yeah. worth the trip to Portage La Prairie. If you've got kids, you can make a day of it because you have an incredible aquatic center out there with a wave pool and everything. So you can kind of really make a day trip out of this or even stay overnight, head out to Portage La Prairie for uh, 24 hours or more. Absolutely. And the, our, our big stride place arena with the wave pool and everything is right beside the MNP exhibition building. So you could do both things in one shot. Uh, we also have live alpacas. What kid does not want to see an alpaca? Oh, nice. I've never <laughs> yes. seen one in person. I'd love to see yes. an alpaca. You should come then. They are so cute. And that's from the, that's courtesy of the alpaca lady. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Aspen grow. Oh, what's her? Well, Tracy knows the name. <laughs> Tracy Wood Tracy, is general manager of the Portage Industrial Exhibition Association. Tracy, who morning. is the alpaca lady? Enchanted Grove Alpacas. That's it. Mm. Yep, is our alpaca. They promise not uh, to producer. spit at me? Do they promise, Tracy? <laughs> Pardon me? Do you promise they won't spit at me if I come? They don't spit. They don't? <laughs> so that's the difference between a llama and an alpaca. They don't spit. 
I think as long as you're good, as long as you're good to them. They'll oh, be fine. there's a qualifier now. I see. Okay, we're backtracking. Hey, you know what? We love we love celebrating all things Manitoba on our program, uh, whether we were in the afternoon or now that we're in the morning. And this idea of entrepreneurship growing by leaps and bounds in Manitoba. We did our small town salute to Winkler. We're getting all the small cities in Winnipeg mentioned in this in this segment here. But the, the, the you know we asked uh, Louis, our guest yesterday, like what's the key to the growth of that part of Manitoba? And he said in a word it was entrepreneurship. So, you know, I, I think that translates very well uh, across our entire province. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And- Sorry. This show is going to be uh, a great representation of that entrepreneurship in our area and in this in our, in our province, and uh, just so many great um, producers that are going to have their products um, available for tasting and to purchase tomorrow. So, Cindy, uh, Cindy McDonald, Executive Director of the Portage Chamber of Commerce, where will people be coming from to showcase their stuff? Oh, we have people from everywhere. Um, our Pioneer Log Furniture is coming from Grunthal, so we have representation from the south. We have lots of um, representation from uh, Winnipeg and just all over the place. Uh, we try to get as many um, and find as many. Tracy did tons of research on trying to find all these amazing products. I mean, we don't even know half of the products that are out there that are made in Manitoba. It's almost like people keep it hush-hush. So we're trying to get it out there and say, look, you can buy this stuff. And we have Shrugging Doctor Beverage Company coming. Um, and it's a wine made right here in Manitoba. Who knew? Tracy, wine in Manitoba that's not made from dandelions? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. Isn't that fabulous? <laughs> yeah, I love the idea. Have you tasted yes. this stuff? And, and if so, how much have you had? You know what? I ha- I am so looking forward to meeting them tomorrow because I have not um, been able to taste um, their product yet. So I'm super excited for them to attend. You know, the culinary uh, abilities in this part of the world are highly underrated and are starting to get recognized. This is part of this as well, right? Yes, for sure. Uh, like, who's heard of Lord of the Pies? I have, and you know what? That, thank you, because that's that's how I found you folks, or I stumbled <laughs> upon this event. I followed oh, the Lord of the Pies on Instagram, great. and that's okay, how I found yeah, this. Like, it's just, like, it's amazing when you get really digging into, um, like, what we have to offer in this province. It's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. the, the what you can find locally instead of, um, I don't want to, you know, you, the producers that you can go and you can buy beef and you can go and buy jams and jellies and, and naturally made soaps. And um, it's just amazing what people are doing with their products. And, you know, I don't, I'm going to sound condescending here, but it's meant as a compliment. It's not just hippies that are buying locally anymore, right? Like this is, this is integrating and becoming a, a really a large part of the greater consciousness. For sure. I think that's a big thing that I am an, uh, an agricultural producer myself. We, we raise beef, um, but it's that whole know your producer, know your food, um, making that connection. Like people are really wanting to know where does my food come from and how is it produced? So this is the best way for people to find that out. Come and talk to the people who are growing it, who are producing it, and they can answer the questions for you. 
All right. Well, Cindy McDonald is the executive director of the Portage Chamber of Commerce and Tracy Wood, general manager of the Portage Industrial Exhibition Association. You can get more information on this event, the Made in Manitoba Expo at portagechamber.com. It's happening tomorrow in Portage La Prairie, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the MNP Exhibition Building. You can also visit the Portage Chamber of Commerce on Facebook for more details. They've got the full list of exhibitors you can find there. Right now, we want to tell you about an event that just began yesterday. It's from Chow. It's Dine About Winnipeg. It's happening until February 11th. Dine About Winnipeg 2018, the city's hottest restaurant event where you can experience the best of Winnipeg's exceptional culinary talent. And to tell us about this, we are joined by the publisher of Chow Magazine, Lori Hughes, joining us live in studio. Lori, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So Dine About Winnipeg, we're looking at the the magazine right now that you've given us and uh, seeing a wonderful selection of many restaurants. So how does this work? It's a three-course meal and a set price? Exactly that. Um, Dine About Winnipeg is all about um, uh, encouraging people to try something new and get out and uh, and really discover how wonderful the restaurant scene is in, in our city. And initially, 15 years ago, it was used as an incentive to get people out at a time of year that we might not refer to as the hottest time of the year and to give them away and give them some cajoling to, to get out and, uh, and, and discover some new tastes. But immediately, people embraced it. And and uh, they are seeing it as a way to to take advantage of the offers. There are three courses that are being put pre- presented at three different price points, $18, $28, or $38. So there really is uh, all bases covered there f- for people. And it's a chance to either discover something new or maybe re- rediscover a place that you haven't been in a little while. I was going through the list here and some old favorites and some, well, as we know, there are some outstanding restaurants that have opened in Winnipeg over the last handful of years. And Winnipeg and eating out are somewhat synonymous. What I love about this event is that the restaurants that have been around for a number of years are using it as an opportunity to really express customer appreciation. So it's a citywide customer appreciation. It's more than a week. It's 11 days. And they are offering some of their classic signature dishes, you know, the the uh, steak and the surf and turf kind of entrees, the classic Cherry's Jubilee at Bailey's we were talking about mm-hmm. as well. And then other restaurants are using it as an opportunity opportunity to show some of their creative prowess in the kitchen and launch new menu items and and test them out on uh, on the community. Now I once heard that if you can open a restaurant in Winnipeg you can open a restaurant anywhere. Is that is that an urban myth or something that somebody made up? We can go with that. I think that the restaurant industry is competitive no matter where you are. Um, Winnipeg's restaurant climate is getting increasingly competitive. It's good news for diners because it means that the bar keeps raising and we get better um, experiences. Everybody who comes into the market has to uh, have their their um, A game going on and um, who benefits is the customers. Yeah, you know, uh, I was in this industry for an awfully long time, off and on for about 15 years. And I credit so much of, of anything that I've managed to do in my life to what I learned in the restaurant industry. But at its core, it's hospitality. And that, I think, is what separate. You can have the best food in the world. But if you don't serve it in a delightful fashion and you don't uh, bring it to life with uh, some people who can who can interact with you 
in a in a sufficient and a and an entertaining fashion, you're not going to make it. Well, that's the truth. And I think that's where Manitoba has a bit of a competitive advantage. Hospitality and friendliness go uh, hand in hand. So right at the get-go, we are wired to be able to extend the uh, hospitality in our in our restaurants. Chow Magazine, Dine About Winnipeg 2018. It began yesterday. It's on until February 11th. A host of restaurants offering a variety of three-course menus in price ranges of $18, $28, or $38. And on top of that, Lori Hughes, the publisher of Chow Magazine, there are a series of culinary events. So what is that about? That's new this year. We're very excited about about this. Um, during Dine About Days, a number of restaurants are offering something extra special that they're presenting. Um, and people can sign up and book tables to uh, a meat feast at Brazen Hall. Ooh. There's a wine dinner uh, offered at Hermano's South Location, a beer pairing dinner at Cafe Carlo. Um, there's tapas and talent at Nicolino's. They've got jazz playing on Wednesday. Wednesday and they've got a special tapas menu for people to uh, try. And uh, Bailey's is doing a whiskey dinner. So really fun um, events gives you a chance to participate in something that normally may be offered just to a, a corporate private function. And you can uh, book ahead and uh, ensure that you have a really luxurious, extravagant uh, dinner. Well, Lori, how long have you been publishing this magazine? Because I feel as though it's been around forever <laughs> and you don't look uh, nearly mature enough to have been publishing this forever. <laughs> How long have you been doing it? I think that's a compliment. It I'm gonna absolutely go is. <laughs> I can barely remember life before Chow Magazine. It's been 21 years. My goodness. This month, we launched it in uh, February of 97 with the intent of uh, offering Winnipeggers an annual restaurant directory. And immediately with our first, lo- first uh, launch, we had um, tremendous community feedback. And we thought, oh, I think we're on to something. People are interested in food. They're interested in restaurants. So... Now we're publishing six times a year. Fantastic. Congratulations on your upcoming anniversary. Well, thank you. Lori Hughes is the publisher of Chow Magazine. Again, if you want more information on Chow, Dine About Winnipeg 2018, go to chowwinnipeg.com. This looks like uh, just an extraordinary event. In fact, one of our colleagues, Jeff Courier, went to Fusion Grill last night as part of this, and he was raving about it. So I think we're going to try to speak to Fusion Grill on Monday to find out more about their menu. He always does a stupendous job, and he's got the one of the city's best pickerel dishes with the pickerel cheeks. So uh, highly endorse that uh, visit. Shout out to uh, Scott McTaggart this morning. And uh, we'll ask you the question of the day, Laura Hughes. Are you looking forward to an early spring? Oh, early spring. What does the groundhog day have to say? Manitoba Merv said, did not see his shadow. That means early spring. Early spring. Absolutely. He's 24 of the last 25 in accuracy, so you can almost take it to the bank. Yes. So that is the question of the day at CJOB.com, which is for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. Get two quotes before you call them. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. That's it for us. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry and Tristan Field-Jones. 